Hello, my name is Angela Stacy Vance. I am a student of political science at the Helms School of Government located within Liberty University. I have the express pleasure of being under the tutelage of Dr. Olivia McDonald for my senior seminar capstone class, and I'm here to talk about four very important leaders in the field of international relations. First, we will discuss Robert Cohane, who is a liberal theorist and liberalist. Cohane is a distinguished fellow of Princeton University and is widely known as one of the most important voices in liberalism during the past few decades. Cohane believes that countries should work together to strive for global peace and unity and that war should and can be eradicated. <clears throat> he presses for multilateral organizations, government cooperation through global organizations such as WHO or the World Health Organization. He is inclusive of NGOs or non-governmental organizations as well as different corporate actors and individual foundational actors, Cohane 2004. Cohane, as well as most liberalists, believe that the real answer to global peace is to instill liberal democracy in as many nation states as possible. He feels that international organizations can help to relieve tensions and give everyone a say in how the world interacts with each other. This sounds great on paper, but it will not work in practice. <coughs> there are many reasons this ideology is not a viable solution. The hard truth is there are just too many differing nations, religions, races, and sects of people that will refuse this idea. An example of this can be realized when looking at the Islamic State. The Islamic religion, especially the millions loyal to Sharia law, will certainly re reject these ideas, and even though they appear to tolerate these systems, they do not. Their goal is to infiltrate as many places as they can and penetrate these governing systems in order to destroy the nations and the people they deem as infidels. Their Quran instructs them to kill all infidels, and by infidels, I mean anyone who does not believe like they do. And the Quran instructs them to cut off the heads of the infidels. There are many other horrific prescriptions given in the Quran as to the treatment of infidels or any Muslim showing sympathy for these infidels, but that is a subject for another day. Cooperation is a good thing at times, and soft power is useful, but it should never be fully relied upon without hard power and the resolve to use it. The best way to ensure peace is to remain a militarily powerful, industrial, technologically advanced, nationalist, moderately isolationist, and free nation, and to respect the national sovereignty of other states. The United States truly should not be poking its nose into the affair of other nations unless it is a clear case of genocide. History shows those brought into submission against their own wishes will never be loyal to the state. Liberalists want to use cooperation to achieve ends, 
and Kohang pushes for international institutions and, in my view, is in perfect alignment with the globalist agenda. Indeed, the liberalist idea of working together to strive for global peace and unity and a world without war is a utopian paradise that most people would love to see. However, the people should not ignore or neglect to see the true intent behind the liberalist-globalist idea. In truth, over the decades, these radical liberals have pushed for global dominance and one-world government. This cannot be tolerated now, just as it could not be tolerated when Adolf Hitler and his Nazi party were on a quest to dominate the world and force their ideology upon mankind. Hitler's radical ideology led to the mass murder of millions of people. This is precisely why the quest for globalization and democratization through force, if necessary, cannot be tolerated. The liberals in the United States government have dressed up this dangerous pursuit in the guise of sheep's clothing and given a false utopian idea to the people in order to cover one of their greatest lies. The truth is... American government has been on a quest for global domination since the Cold War ended. The actors sometimes change, but the action remains the same and keeps moving forward. This cannot be allowed to continue. Even if the intentions are completely innocent by those pursuing this path, however, I would state that the actors are not innocent or misinformed but rather have chosen their own ideas over the wishes of the people they represent. The world has been witnessing an unprecedented time in the United States, and the danger of this leftist liberal ideology and the push for global dominance is coming to light for all to see. However, I must interject that I feel those in power as of late are content to sell America off a piece at a time, and are only concerned about their own piece of the world pie. This is blatantly open for the reasonable citizen to see in the current administration's push to allow thousands of outsiders to pour into our nation without a second thought given to what type of persons they're allowing to come in. This current path will lead to great peril for the people of the United States and the world. As power will reside only with a small few, likely the elite, and eventually to the imprisonment, enslavement, or the murder of the masses will follow. This is a painful reminder of the harrowing teachings of Titler's cycle of democracy that unfortunately appears to be coming to fruition in the United States. The imperialist quest to spread and instill Republican democracy, even forcefully if necessary, in order to further liberalism around the globe has rendered more global instability and a burning contempt for America. This movement has been driven by the past and current lawmakers in the United States and should be looked at from a human rights viewpoint. This is necessary because truly this quest is a clear and present danger to all basic human rights. Furthermore, it's against God's own teaching, as he had clearly laid out the framework for in Deuteronomy chapter 2 in verses 5 and 6, in which states, Meddle not with them, for I am not, I will not give, 
<clears throat> you of their land, no, not so much as one foot breadth, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. Ye shall buy meat of them for money, and ye shall eat, and ye shall also buy water of them for money, that ye may drink. This is foundational evidence that each state has a natural, God-given right to state sovereignty and should not be usurped upon. The Bible also states that if anything be required of this state, that proper compensation should be traded for the required provisions. Next, we have Kenneth Waltz, who built on and furthered the prominent realist Hans Morgenthau's work. Morgenthau believed that man, at the state of nature, was fallen and driven for power. Much like Thomas Hobbes saw man in the state of nature as solitary, nasty, and brutish. Kenneth Waltz was an American political scientist who was a prominent figure in international relations. Waltz's ideological leanings were that of a realist who invented the theory recognized as structural realism today, coupled without total rejection of the natural realism viewpoint. Waltz has illustrated the way that it was possible for American liberalism and thereby the United States to achieve a stable and sustainable form of international involvement without falling prey to the volatile swings between the Hartzian extremes of transformative change and reactive disassociation. Foley, 2009. Kenneth Waltz started his career at Columbia University and later moved to the West Coast to teach at the University of California, Berkeley. Waltz spent about 20 years at Berkeley before moving back to the East Coast. After moving back to the East Coast, Waltz served for a period at the Institute of War and Peace Studies at Columbia University. Kenneth Waltz is best known for his foundational theory to the neorealism, structural realism school of thought. One of Waltz's most notable works is Man, the State, and War, a Theoretical Analysis, 1959, for which Waltz received the prestigious James Madison Award, Waltz, 2003. In this work, Waltz makes the case for the causations leading to war and how it may best be prevented. In Waltz's theory, he identifies and defines the three main distinctions of interaction that must be assessed for understanding the interactions and dynamics that can lead to war. Waltz examines interaction between individuals, interaction within the, internet, the internal structures of states, and the conditions of anarchy present in relation to the interaction between differing nation-states around the globe. Waltz, 1959. <clears throat> Third, we have Alexander Wendt, who is famous for his contributions to and push for constructivism which holds that a state can have both realist ideas and knowledge, but does not always determine that the state cannot utilize soft power and cooperation. Alexander Wendt was the best-known constructivist 
in international relations, and he believed that anarchy is what states make of it. Wendt holds that if cooperation may help render better outcomes than those of the standalone realist ideology, then the state should utilize both ends of the spectrum as necessary. However, he disagrees that everything can be settled amicably, such as can be seen in the liberalist view of international relations. Wendt saw constructivism as being open to the realist idea that anarchy will lead to war, but does not close the door for other ideas and possibilities for the choices of state actors to move away from, settling issues via war. In Wendt's words, anarchy is what the states make of it. Went 1992. Lastly, I will be discussing John Mearsheimer and his structural realist views. Mearsheimer believes that the state structure is the cause of many of that state's problems. It is important to note that realists believe that states must have power to have security, and this power is the key to protecting their national interests. This power can come in many forms. Power can be obtained through economic advantage, military strength, and natural resources. Mearsheimer gives the example of the United States' emergence from the Cold War. After the Cold War, the United States emerged as a unipolar hegemony, meaning that the United States was so large and so powerful that there was not another nation or state on the planet that could possibly challenge the United States for hegemonic position. I believe that it is an impossible task to bring the world to one global nation, and the reason for this is due to several factors. First, each nation is sovereign unto its own beliefs and ideology, and when another belief or ideology poses a threat to that nation's sovereignty, it is always met with adversity up to and including war, should it be necessary. There are too many differing viewpoints around the world to bring all nations under one governing system, and it is my belief that any nation who tries to do so will inevitably only cause a more severe fracture. The United States' quest to make all nations like unto the United States will clearly lead to yet another world war. This is unacceptable and goes against the very reasoning the liberalist ideology uses to justify the current quest to push for globalization and democratization of all nations. Inevitably, the cure has been sought after by decades of United States lawmakers and officials and would only lead to a more pronounced division of all mankind and very likely lead to mass loss of life, much strife, pain and suffering for the people of the world. Theologically, God gives account that individual nations should remain sovereign to themselves and not be infringed upon. It is clearly stated in the above biblical references to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Suppose that one would argue that religion aside uh, would and still be an impossibility. Would it still be an impossibility? And I would say yes, because the basic human principle is that all humans have basic inalienable rights to freedom and happiness and to 
force the people under one world uh, rule would certainly infringe upon their basic human rights. I would also surmise to say that those in leadership in the United States today have all learned of how the United States came to be. They all know that several different groups of people came to North America fleeing religious persecution and were looking for a place where they would be free to believe, worship, live, and flourish in a life of their own choosing. In fact, these American lawmakers know very well the reason for the split from British rule that caused the Revolutionary War. Our founders clearly were reliant upon the preservation of a strong nationalist love of country to preserve America and our core guiding principles for generations to come. Our founding fathers knew that our future was dependent upon this love of nation and freedom. If this love is not properly tended, the following generations may never know the blessing of freedom. Commitment to nation is no different than commitment to oneself or commitment to one's family. This loyalty to God, family, community, state, and nation is necessary for continued enjoyment of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the United States. The gift that God allowed and so many fought and died to secure. John Mearsheimer, an authority on international relations, shares his example of why states want to be the most powerful in an anarchic world where there is no higher authority to police the states. He explains that there are two types of realism, natural real realism and structural realism. Natural realism is the human nature school of realism that holds that man is fallen and that conflict is caused due to this fall. Hans Morgenthau is the most prominent authority on this particular school of thought. Morgenthau believed that all humans were born with a hunger for power and this is what causes all the conflict in the world. Structural realists like John Mearsheimer believes that it is the structure of the system, not human nature, that causes this conflict, and since there is no higher authority to protect these states, they are on their own to protect themselves, and the only sure way to do this is to be militarily powerful, and the best way to do this is to become economically powerful. Mearsheimer, 2014. Realism is a simple theory, and it makes perfect sense. If one were weak, they would make sure that they had a way to protect themselves from others. The same is true with the differing state actors in the world. Both realist forms of thought rely largely and lead largely to the same ends. Realism is easy to understand and relatively simple to explain, and, and it's simple to explain the reasons that problems occur. This is not to say that the solutions are simple. Concluding, I will point out that none of these actors have had success in fixing the problems that face us in government today. In truth, liberalism has weakened America. Realism, both structural and natural, needs a peripheral view. And constructivism, 
is too liberal and ignores the core of the problem. If you were a hunter, and you must first know the animal you are hunting. Human beings, no matter how civilized they may seem, are truly animals at their core. What do we do if someone tries to harm our children? How do we react if someone's trying to harm us? And what would you do if you and your children were starving and there was a small jar of food in front of you and three other families were fighting to try and get it? All the while, knowing that without it, you and your children would certainly perish. Are we satisfied by bread and water? Or are we determined to eat meat and to pursue the good life? Clearly, it is important to first know ourselves without covering up the deeply embedded parts that are unbecoming. This is absolutely necessary to the fixing of the problem facing us as a nation. The absence of God in our government and our people makes this even more problematic. Who can argue that the Bible teaches anything but good moral character? And who can argue that the laws that we adhere to today are directly taken from the Bible? No one. And if they try to deny this truth, they are either delusional, misinformed, or a liar. Soft power may work with those we have a solid relationship with, such as the United Kingdom. But soft power should never be overused with other states, such as China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. These state actors will see it as weakness. A wolf in the wild who hears or sees a wounded rabbit will not have pity on the rabbit and try to help it. Rather, it will kill the wounded rabbit and devour it. So we must not be surprised that China is building its military and preparing for war. Thucydides' ancient hegemonic war theory would not be a prominent piece of learning material if it were not still relevant today. It is still relevant today because history has shown its accuracy. Swift, harsh action is necessary when dealing with some states, and we must not cower away from the necessary actions in fear of nuclear war. There are weapons that we can use our soft power in peacetime to try and eliminate, but even God warned us that it would be fire and brimstone the next time the earth was destroyed. We must face the realization that the world being an anarchic realm of individual nation-states did not happen by accident. This was brought about by people moving to another place to be free of the oppressive forces pre present in the states that they were leaving or to find a more fruitful land that would sustain them more substantially. We must also take into account that this anarchy does not have to lead to war. Each nation has a God-given right to sovereignty as is laid out in Deuteronomy. The proper action is to allow each of these states their unabridged right to sovereignty without interference unless we see a major abuse like that of Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany or Mao Zedong in the People's Republic of China.
Isolationism is not a bad idea. Because this is when people learn to use what they have available and to have on hand what they need within their own borders. This practice will also keep any enemy of our people out and eliminate the risk of being overthrown through the use of our own governmental systems. This leads to a truly self-sustaining state. Outsourcing and partial globalization of our economy has led to problems such as the ones realized at the onset of this pandemic in our country. When we realized that not a bit of a crucial drug such as penicillin is made in the United States, and this is just one tiny example of the millions that are present, this weakens America and greatly diminishes her ability to survive in crisis and will never allow for the flourishing that can only come about due to good governance. 